Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. Be sure to watch all of our services online by visiting remembrancecommunity.org forward slash livestream. I hope you enjoy today's message. Well, a very Merry Christmas Sweater Sunday, Remembrance Community Church. My name is Pastor Kenny. Um, this service is going to be a little different than our normal services, as if it hasn't already been so. But towards the end, we're going to have a, a, a special production from our kids. So we're going to have a little bit of an abbreviated message this morning. But if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 2, and uh, I'll be excited to um, talk about a few things we can learn. How many of you guys remember cassette tapes? Right? So like cassette tapes are like you had records, vinyl records, and then eight tracks. I don't really remember those. And then you had cassette tapes. That was my jam as a Gen Xer, right? And then CDs and so on. And one of the things uh, that I remember about getting a cassette tape is that they have an A side and a B side. And, and what, what, what the, the artist and what the producer would actually do is, is take the A side and put kind of the, the, the greatest hits or the things that they think would be the greatest hits. And then what were the B sides? The other stuff. It's amazing as the course of time has, has, has taken place, has unfolded, that some of the, the, the B-sides have actually become the artist's greatest hits. Um, you could Google that later on today, but my point is, today we're going to look at the, the Christmas story according to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to look at the B-sides. A story that I think is the B-sides, but it's got a lot of richness to it, and so it's in uh, Luke chapter 2, and it'll be a little bit lengthy, but it'll be worth it, and we're just going to make a couple points together that I hope might be helpful um, as we wrap our minds around what is Advent. So here's from Luke chapter 2, verse 21. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, great way to start a story, <laughs> he was named Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it, had, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it, was, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him, and then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, 
that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At at, At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is God's word. Beautiful story, right? Shouldn't be in the B-sides, but how many of you have actually heard that story as a part of the Christmas story? Or, or, or at least it doesn't get prominent attention like some of the other uh, uh, Christmas stories. But there's some things that I think are incredibly relevant for us in this passage. And the first one we kind of looked at last week a bit, but also we see it really in here. Actually, we see it so many times in the Bible, and it's this. God often feels like he's taking a long time, but God always keeps his promises. Right? God always keeps his word. As I meet with people, one of the probably biggest issues that we wrestle with uh, in our faith is having to wait on God. It feels like he's not answering. It feels like he doesn't care. It feels like he's distant. In our society, psychologists are, 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 are increasingly seeing that this is an issue, that we do not know how to wait. We're growing more and more impatient. As a matter of fact, if I think about it myself, anytime I have to wait, it feels to me like somebody messed up. Right? Someone on the ships and all the stuff's on the ships. Why do I have to wait for the stuff I want, right? Someone messed up, right, on politics, right? Or, Or when I order something on Amazon, like, it's supposed to show up in two days or less. Three days, unacceptable. I literally heard this kid, high school kid uh, looked like he was in high school he's probably 30 I've lost I've lost I've lost lost my radar for this but but we're at we're at a a Chick-fil-a I mean this is Christian chicken aka right (laughs) Chick-fil-a and this kid is sitting there and he literally yells I've been waiting here for six minutes (laughs) just appalled that he would have to wait for six minutes we don't want to wait Oftentimes, God is working as we wait. When we have to wait, it's okay if it's hard. It's okay if we have to wrestle with it. That can be a good thing. But let's not forget, it doesn't mean that God's forgotten, or that God's not on the move. God always keeps his promises. So we have this story. We have Simeon, right? It says, it says, oh, now that I've seen the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, God, you can just let me die now, right? I've, like, my life's complete. From this, tradition kind of holds that Simeon was probably an old man, although the, Luke doesn't specify that. But he's probably this old man that's been waiting, waiting for the Messiah to show up. And so excited that on this Christmas, in this Christmas season, this first Christmas season, He's arrived and he got to see it. And we see Anna. It's kind of an interesting little tidbit in there. She's a prophetess. We don't know very much about her. She's from the tribe of Asher, right? 
says that she had been married for seven years and then she became a widow. Probably, it doesn't tell us, but probably it was very normal for, for young girls to get married around 13 years old back then. So then she would have been married for seven years, so now she's 20. She's 20 years old probably. She becomes a widower. And it says she decided to dedicate her life, not get remarried and just dedicate her life. Probably lived in an apartment by the, by the temple, showed up at, for prayer all the time, actually became her identity. She's this prayer warrior and a prophetess. The tribe of Asher was known for being filled with beautiful women. She's probably very beautiful. In that age, uh, in, in that time, it wasn't weird for you to remarry. It was actually normal. It was actually less likely that she would have just stayed a widow. It wasn't expected. It wasn't politically correct. It wasn't the right thing to do. It doesn't tell us why she decided to do that, but she does. And then it's for 84 years. Either it, It's hard to understand the actual Greek. Either she was 84 years old, including that 20 years, so 64 years she was waiting. Or, or on top of that, 84 years, so she's 104 maybe. But those are both a long time she waited. And then she was so excited. Best gift ever. She got to see the Messiah show up in the world. And both of them reference this passage, which we'll look at in a second from Isaiah, when it says, the console, he's come to console and to redeem Jerusalem. This is actually a quote from Isaiah. And so what these whole uh, group of people, the, the Israelites, they've all been waiting. Now, Isaiah wrote 700 years before Jesus even showed up. So like eight, 60 years, 84 years, 700, four, 700 years. It's a long time. But God kept his promise. That's what Luke is announcing. God often feels like he's taking a long time, but God always keeps his promise. And then the other thing that we learn here is that when Jesus does show up, when God does show up, things often get more messed up before they get reordered. Notice Simeon goes, hey, uh, uh, Mary, I'm so blessed that, you, that you've had this child, the Messiah, and then he gives her some news that doesn't seem like such great news, right? This, this child is going to cause the rise and fall of many in Israel. Like that's a turning over of, right? The rise of those who were unlikely, the fall of those who were expected. And you already start to see that in this story. As Mary shows up, she's probably 13 years old, pregnant teenager, right? Shows up to the temple to honor God by doing all the things that she is supposed to do, dedicate and circum all these things that they're supposed to do. And, and yet she's poor. In Leviticus, it says when you dedicate your child, you're supposed to give an offering. It's supposed to be a lamb and a turtle dove. But if you're poor, because God never excludes the poor, God doesn't want anyone to feel excluded, you could, instead of a lamb and a turtle dove, you can give two pigeons. What does Mary give? Two pigeons. She's poor. This poor girl shows up and gets celebrated as if, like, the greatest thing has happened. Things are turning upside down already. This beautiful young woman has decided not, not to remarry and to dedicate her life. Some would think, like, what, she wasted her life. No. The Bible tells us that her life matters. And if she finds her way into this story, always to be remembered. We should remember this story as not a B-sides, but as a beautiful story. But God often, it feels like things get messed up 
before they get reordered. I don't know if you can relate to that. In my life of being a Christian, often the biggest things that God have done in my life come with a, a, a disordering, uncomfortableness, exposure. It says many will, many's thoughts will be revealed by this Jesus. That's happened to me. Just expose like the ugliness in my heart and in my mind and in my life as God begins to do new things in my life. It often gets uncomfortable. But what does it say that's so beautiful? It doesn't say life won't be, life won't be uh, uncomfortable. It actually says, here's the good news. He's shown up for consolation, to console us, to comfort us. There's no promise that God won't make us uncomfortable. Matter of fact, you could say that there's a promise that he will. (laughs) He says, in this world, you will face trouble. But don't lose heart. I've overcome the world. And I'm with you. And I'll be with you till the end of the age. He comes to comfort us, though it might get hard. Some of you guys are probably experiencing Christmas that way. It's hard for many of us. It's a mixed bag for many of us. We should be joyful, and yet we're, we have moments of grief. And yet, what is God doing? He's always up to something, reordering us. But God will comfort us. Matter of fact, in Isaiah, as I mentioned, Isaiah uh, 52. In Isaiah 40 through 66, it's really about the Messiah. The famous Christmas Uh, uh, a passage from Isaiah is the next chapter after this in Isaiah 53. But in in Isaiah 52, 9, look what it says. Be joyful, rejoice together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people and he has redeemed Jerusalem. (laughs) Luke is quoting from this passage. He's saying that thing that Isaiah was talking about when the Messiah would show up and would comfort Israel and would redeem Jerusalem. We've been waiting for this. And now it's begun as Jesus arrived. As Jesus arrives on the scene, he's a fulfillment of this prophecy. And also, it's a reminder That Advent and Jesus' big plan of redemption is bigger than our individual lives. It's bigger than our individual lives. In our Western society, we've been trained not only to not be able to wait, but we've also been trained to, uh, to see everything through individualistic eyes. Everything we see is from my story. My story is the center of of all the other stories. Psychologists, theologians, the Bible, the church should be pointing to the fact that this isn't healthy. Matter of fact, it's not the way that we were created to thrive. We were created to be a small part of something big. That's why it's better to give than receive because we get to contribute to to the bigger story. It's better to serve than be served. It's why so often when when we're a part of something bigger, that's that's what kind of thrills our our hearts, right? Have you ever been a part of a a, a large gathering 
of glory, right? Maybe a football, college football game, and everyone's chanting, you know, your team, your team, you know, go red, go red, go. And just the feeling that you feel of, of the energy in there, because you're a part of something bigger. It points to the fact we're created to be a small part of something bigger. Or have you ever gone to Yosemite and just stood up at, at these huge, beautiful, natural creations, right? Half dome, clouds rest, and just thought to yourself how at peace you are and how good for your soul that is. Because it is better to be a small part of something big. And Advent is something big. As we celebrate Advent, we should be standing in front of Half Dome, and our souls should be at rest. God has this big plan. Advent is about arrival. In Latin, it means arrival or coming. That means this has been planned way in advance. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and then Jesus arrived. These two are celebrating this. They feel like this is like the biggest thing that's ever happened in their lives. The arrival has come. It's a part of this big plan, and we know it's not done. God is still planning to redeem the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. So my prayer for us as, we, as, as we, we're, we're going to close our service, and just so that you guys know, this is how the service will go. We're going we're gonna to take communion. We're going to have the worship team come back up. During this next song, we're going to invite you to come forward and receive communion. And then we'll, we'll, we'll go back to our seats after, this, after you get communion. Don't, don't take communion on your own. Go back to your seat. After this song, we'll take communion together. And then we're going to dismiss you guys to what we're calling an intermission. <laughs> and so what that's going to look like is we'll all, we'll all leave and go outside, but don't leave the premises. Stay here. And there's some cookies and some other things out there and some fellowship. And then the kids are going to come and they're going to set this room up for their production. And so we wanted to do that so that when, when, when we leave and we come back in, it's all about them. And they're not just a part of it. Because at this church, we believe everybody matters, including our kids. And everyone's in process. And we want to be involved in our kids' process of growing them to be passionate Jesus followers. And everyone has a part to play. And so they're going to come. I don't know how it's going to go, but I know that it's a good thing. And they're going to come. It's going to be about 10 or 15 minutes. And they're going to present the gospel message um, through a Christmas story that one of our, uh, one of our children have uh, actually wrote and many of them have been working on. So all that being said... Thank you guys for being here. I hope, I hope that if you're in a season of waiting, you're not in a season of hopelessness. And if things feel like they've gotten more messed up before they've gotten better, like you're not alone. And God often works that way. So that might just be the, that might be good news. And God doesn't leave you alone in it. He, he comes to comfort you in it. And in all of this, what, what matters most is we're a part of a way bigger story than our individual stories. And that's a good thing. So during this next song, we'll have you guys come up, receive your elements, go back to your seat, hold on to them, and then I'll come and lead you guys in communion afterwards.
Thank you for listening to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. You can find all of our sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.